Good morning. Um, my name is Benjamin Brown, and this is my wife, Angela. And I grew up in Northern California with a family that moved every couple of years with dad building houses. When I was about seven, my parents used to drop my sister and I off at a little Baptist church and pick us up after. They said it was good for the kids. One day, a Sunday school teacher told me about Jesus and that I needed to ask him into my heart if I wanted to go to heaven. It made sense to me because I it made sense to me, but because I was shy, I waited until I got home. I did what she said. I opened my mouth, asked him to come in, and he did. On a side note, I actually took that literally. Um, I must have sat there for a good minute with my mouth wide open. <laughs> but that's, that's how it all started. Uh, about that same time, I later learned that my mom got saved and that my dad came back to the Lord. As I grew up, I ended up with church friends on Sunday and school friends who didn't know God the rest of the week. For the most part, I had what my parents thought were good friends. I can't read. <laughs> uh, we hardly ever got in trouble. We got good grades, kind of. But God was not a part of my life except on Sunday morning between 9.30 and 12.30. I encountered God a few times at a Christian summer camp, made some promises, but always ended up back with my friends and away from God. For the rest of my life, friends would play a huge role, either leading me to God or away from Him. In college, my best friend from high school told us that he was gay. He said he was concerned what I would think because I was a Christian. I said, no problem, I'll just change what I believe. About halfway through college, I got to a breaking point when I realized I had no real friends and that God was not in my life. When I transferred to Chico State from a junior college, I found the BSU, the Baptist Student Union, and there I found friends who led me back to God and to a little church, Chico Community Church, that met in a school. God brought me people who really cared about me. More importantly, they loved God. In high school, listening to non-Christian music became a huge part of my life. It, it was a part that I still had not surrendered to God. Honestly, it became an idol to me, even a sort of addiction. It was part of my identity and something I would not or could not let go of. Years later, I experienced God during worship and he broke something inside of me. Then what used to control me was simply gone. In college, I studied music and recording arts uh, despite not being good at either, this did lead me <laughs> to a two-year mission trip in Kazakhstan, in Central Asia, uh, recording local Christian musicians. We worked with the uh, Uyghur people in nearby China, and I thought I would be an international missionary after this, but God had other plans. After college, I began researching Christian ministries, helping people who wanted out of homosexuality, in part because of my friend, in part just to see if God could really heal people, which he can. 
This eventually led me to Oregon to work with the Portland Fellowship, in which I did for several years, and there I saw God at work. When I got here, I also looked up Calvary Chapel in the phone book. Anybody remember phone books? So, um, as I had visited one in Chico. Once again, I found friends here. I found God here. And one of the first things I remember there involved food. <laughs> At the camp out, Joe and Jackie Senna and their cute little kids fed me breakfast. It was delicious. But it was the heart behind the serving that blew me away. Church was in a tiny red building that felt like God's living room. And on Sunday, we flooded into a nearby school. Jedediah led the college and career group. And it was there that I met this hot lady standing next to me. <laughs> I honestly didn't think I had a chance. But God once again gave me something good that I didn't deserve. We started dating in December got engaged in April, and married in July. About that time we started dating, another amazing thing happened. My dad went to heaven. It was amazing to me because heaven became very real to me on that day. Dad had fought, had fought a good fight against cancer, but it was time for him to go home. There was this guy from his church that came the day that he died. I think this was his ministry, actually. And he got off script. At that time, he might have been the happiest person that I've ever met. It was as if he really knew where dad was about to go. He was respectful and all, but he just he couldn't hide it. He knew what was really going on. Oh, death, where is your victory? Oh, death. Where is your sting? 1 Corinthians 15. Okay. Do you want to swap spots? <laughs> Bring it down a little. <laughs> My name is Angela Brown. Um, Benjamin and I have been married for 20 years this coming July. <clears throat> We've been coming here to Calvary for just as long. Um, I grew up as a military kid. My dad was in the Air Force. So uh, when, when I was a kid, we moved every two to four years. I didn't grow up in a Christian home or going to church. My parents were awesome, and they still are. <laughs> um, because we moved so much, we were really a tight family. When my dad retired, I was 13, and we moved to a small town in Washington. Uh, once again, I came to a school new in junior high, of all things, new <laughs> in the middle of a year, and it was a rough year for me. I had a dream one night, and uh, in the dream it was clear that the world was ending. <laughs> and towards the end of the dream, I looked at my mom and I said, um, are we going to die? And she was like, yeah. And then I woke up. Um, it shook me because I had no answers to what happens when a person dies. I just didn't know. My parents always answered that question, well, we go to heaven, but I didn't know who God was, and I didn't, you know, I knew I was, I had stuff wrong, like I, I sinned. Um, God used that dream to stir in me a desire to answer questions, um, just get questions answered. A couple of days later, the timing of it's totally the Lord, I sat next to a girl in school and I had to share a book because I was new. <laughs> uh, 
And we quickly became friends, and she called me that night. She started off with like, hey, so what religion are you? And I'm like, <laughs> my parents always said, if anyone asks you that question, just say you're Baptist because your grandparents are Baptists. So I'm like, okay. <laughs> so I said, I'm Baptist. <laughs> And then she talked to me like one more minute and she knew I wasn't a Christian. <laughs> like, oh. She began to share the gospel with me and um, she started with creation. And she just answered, you know, and shared about how I have sin and how it separates me from God and what Jesus did on the cross. Um, growing up, I didn't, I didn't even know that the baby Jesus was the same Jesus on the cross. Like I didn't no, they were the same person. <laughs> like, I had no knowledge. <clears throat> but by the time I finished the call, I understood, and I prayed with her, and I received Jesus. My friend Sonia, that was her name, and her family played a huge part in my discipleship and my growth. Um, the thing that I, I think is so amazing when I look back on that part of my life is that she was 13 years old, <laughs> and she led me to the Lord. I got plugged in at her church, and I got baptized. And uh, my youth, pa my youth pastor, um, when he baptized me, he gave me a life verse, and it was from Psalm 62, 1 through 2. It said, I find rest in God. Only he can save me. He is my rock and my salvation. He's my defender. I will not be defeated. I had no idea at the time, but... That verse has truly been foundational in my relationship with Jesus. I am continually experiencing the truth of God being my rest and my rock and my defender, but particularly my rest. Um, later, my, my friend and I cornered my brother, David, and we shared the gospel with him. And over time, because he likes to do things his own way, because he's my brother, his big sister ain't going to tell him what to do, but he got saved. And um, on my, my sophomore year, we moved again, and this time it was to Colorado. Uh, my grandpa was sick with cancer, and my family wanted to be near him. Later that year, my brother and I got an opportunity to talk to my mom about Jesus, and um, she rededicated her life and began going to the Baptist church she grew up in with my grandparents. <laughs> and my brother and I went with her too. Because I didn't grow up in church, I, I really had a desire to know more about the Bible. I just felt so ignorant. <laughs> and I felt like over time God was leading me to be a missionary. So I decided to move to Portland for college, and I went to Multnomah Bible College, which is Multnomah University now. Um, my second year into college, I found Calvary Chapel Southeast. I jumped right into the college and career group, and I met this guy, <laughs> this handsome guy who led worship. <laughs> and he also had a leading to be a missionary, and I was so like, will you teach me how to play guitar? Like, <laughs> and he's like, sure. <laughs> so we hung out for a good year within the group, and then we began seriously dating, which we called courting, which means dating with a purpose, you know, <laughs> to determine if you should get married. And Pastor Doug married us in the little red church. Okay. So scoot, or I'll, I'll get dizzy. <laughs> Um, a few years after we got married, uh, we had Eve. When I first became a father, it really changed everything for me. I saw God differently. I saw Angela differently. 
and I saw other boys differently now that I had a princess to protect. <laughs> when Dave was born, I was able to keep a promise that I made to my dad years earlier and name my first son after him. It seemed like we were all done, 2.2 kids, a minivan, and two pug dogs. But God wasn't done. Our family was not complete. Um, after we were married, Ben shared with me that he had wanted to adopt someday. And I agreed, and we, we decided, you know, we should wait till after we have some biological kids first, you know. Um, after I delivered my first child, Eve, I had some complications right after the delivery, and I was blacking out, and had, I needed a blood transfusion. And a couple of years later, I delivered my son, Dave, and I had the same problems. Um, and the midwife came to Ben and I after everything calmed down and encouraged us not to have any more kids. Um, but I didn't feel done. So. We had often talked about adopting one day as a next step, but we honestly just got stuck talking about it. Uh, one day a friend told a friend, one day I told a friend about our plans and he invited us to an adoption conference. In my head, I just wanted to say, well, we just like to talk about it. <laughs> but we went, and it was there where God started us on a journey. At first, we thought we would adopt internationally, but that was our plan. God's plan for us was to adopt locally. We felt led to sibling groups, and I have to say it's the strangest thing to pick your kids out. You fill out these forums and you look for a box to check for, give me the kids that God wants for us. <laughs> but it's not there. <laughs> you have to trust God with a bureaucracy. I tried to negotiate with God. I said, well, let's do older kids, no more diapers. <laughs> we ended up with three in diapers at the same time. <laughs> the first time we met the kids, a one-year-old boy and his two-year-old sister, we took them to a park and let them run around a large playground. It's a huge play structure thing. And a few minutes in, we thought we lost them. My oldest daughter said I should, I should confirm that we actually found them, so <laughs> we did. After a panic attack, we went and found a spot on the grass and we just sat down and we pretty much just stared at each other. No, no instructions, no instructions, just God to help. At that point, our biological kids were four and six, and the minivan was full, almost. A month or so later, later, Angela calls me at work, and she says, there's a baby, that the kid's birth mom had a baby, and they wanted us to take her. So within a couple of hours, we had a new baby. At that point, no one, including us, would have said that we needed a baby. <laughs> but we did. I always remember, remember one day Dave was having a hard time crying about something, and I picked up the baby, and I set her down by Dave, and he was fine. <laughs> and that happened more than once. And there's a lot I could say about adoption, but I'll just share the part that God keeps bringing me back to. Well, what is it? Is it co-parenting? Am I these kids' dad? If I'm the real kid to my bio kids, then what am I to my adopted kids? 
And what I want to share, I don't mean to be disrespectful to birth parents who have experienced loss, and I understand there's a lot of pain from people losing their kids. But at some point, I had to answer the question of what is adoption? And what I've come to believe is that it's an identity change, and more than just a name change. I'm the real dad to all of my kids, and I'll prove it. <laughs> After the kids were placed with us, after the caseworkers and lawyers did their thing, after the adoption was finalized, we got something in the mail, a new birth certificate, and three of them, in fact. And I think, I assumed that we would just get something to attach to the original, but one part stood out to me. And I have a picture that I wanted to show you. So this, on the screen behind me, this is an actual, an official new birth certificate for one of the kids. And part of, a lot of the information is, block, is, is blocked off just for privacy sake. But the part I wanted to point out, and I should have brought a little laser pointer thing. That, um, <laughs> Angela is actually listed as the mother, and I am listed as the father because that is who we are to these kids. Your turn, right? Okay, yeah. Okay. <laughs> so rewind a little bit just to get a picture of the process with me with the whole adoption. Um, I really had to wrestle with adoption in my own heart. Um, ben always seemed really sure about it, you know, but I had questions. And the main one was, could I love an adopted child the way, the same I love, as I love my biological kids? I was fearful that I would bring them home and they wouldn't be loved properly or something weird. So um, I cry because God was so good too. I'm like, can you just answer this for me, Lord? Help me. <laughs> and he led me through his, his word to the conclusion that if God can love me and adopt me into his family, and I can call him daddy. And, I, and if I have the Holy Spirit living in me, then he can give me that ability to love my adopted kids just as if they're my own. Over time, I, we came to a place where we felt led to pursue out adopt, um, to adopt out of foster care. It was the first time um, that I had ever realized that there were no orphanages in America, um, that local orphans are in foster care. That's where they are. Many of these kids grow out of the system without ever being adopted. God really gave us a heart for these particular kids and directed us to pursue a sibling group in foster care, like Ben mentioned, a one and a two-year-old. So from this point on, we're not going to mention the younger three kids' name for privacy reasons. You know, it's recorded. Y'all know who they are. <laughs> if you know us, you can, and you can ask us later, we'll introduce you. <laughs> but for privacy, we're just not going to mention their names. Uh, within a few months, we brought them home. So at this point, we had a six, a four, a two, and a one-year-old. Um, the honeymoon stage, you know, maybe lasted like two weeks. <laughs> and then my older kids realized that it was really hard to share their toys and their parents with these littles. <laughs> um, behaviors surfaced, and we were all working through the transition, figuring out how to na navigate some special needs with one of our kids. Ben and I found new ways to be creative about parenting. <laughs> yeah. 
And uh, Ben and I found, um, or one, so one month after we had placement with our kids, we got a call from DHS saying, and asking if we could take the biological sister that was just born to our two younger kids that we just had placement with. Um, she had been born in a hospital five minutes from us, which is just amazing, because when we had placement with our other two, they're all like siblings, they were like in a town far away. <laughs> so it's like in our back, backyard pretty much. <laughs> um, not really. <laughs> But this was totally unexpected. We went from having two kids originally to having five kids in one month. <laughs> Three in diapers, <laughs> two needing help being fed. I had Eve feeding one, <laughs> I was feeding another. Um, when we started the adoption process, I had so longed to have one more baby. I just did. And God seemingly shut the door on that idea. And then when we brought, we thought maybe it was the worst time to have a baby. <laughs> right after we brought home our first two kids, we had a baby, <laughs> this baby. It turned out to be God's grace for our family because the baby was like the glue that held all our, our kids together. It brought them all together. My kids still struggled, but then there was this distraction of baby cuteness. <laughs> um, on top of it all, we didn't know if we could adopt the baby, so we were now riding the roller coaster of foster care. <laughs> when we first started the adoption process, we felt led to pursue sibling groups who were available to be adopted. So we hadn't really experienced what it was like to have a child that could go back to their parents. There were so many mixed emotions, <laughs> feelings of desiring the birth mom to get to a place where she could care for her child and not have to have that loss again, prayers for her to get saved and healthy, you know, had all that. And then in the next moment, feeling selfish, <laughs> not wanting the birth mom to do well so that I could keep the baby. <laughs> and then guilt over all that <laughs> and desire, you know, just even guilt for wanting to adopt her. So God was so faithful, he walked us through all those emotions. And in the midst of the chaos, God continually reminded me of the first part of my life first, which was, I find rest in God. I felt weary of appointments with doctors and DHS. I was weary of the roller coaster of uncertainty with our baby, weary of sleepless nights and diapers, and God spoke to me, rest. Nine months later, we were chosen my DHS to adopt our baby. And our road, you know, it was sweet. <laughs> our road for parenting our kids, some with special needs, and all of them working through adoption. It's just not our adopted kids, but all our kids work through <laughs> the road of adoption has been challenging. We, you know, I felt weary as a mom, but God continues to speak rest over me. The biggest thing I have learned is no matter how my kids have come into my family through birth or adoption, they are my kids, and in my eyes, there's no difference in my heart for them. Our oldest is 15 and driving. <laughs> What's happening? <laughs> and our youngest is now nine, who's almost as tall as me, which is crazy. <laughs> um, this church has been a part of our family. Ben and I never went on the mission field, but instead God led us here locally to stay in one place, something that neither of us had done growing up. 
I think it was to teach us to be led by him, even though it doesn't look the way we thought it might look. It's the longest I've ever lived in one place, the longest I've ever known people, and we're so thankful for this place in our family. A few years back, God showed me how much more I was focusing on what my kids were doing wrong than what they were doing right. I'm still working on that. I asked God to show me how he had gifted them, and this is what I got. My oldest daughter is named Kind Servant. When she serves with a kind heart, people see Jesus. My oldest son is named Loyal Friend. When he stays loyal to his friends, people see Jesus. My next oldest daughter is named Love Perseveres. When she loves those hard to love with perseverance, people see Jesus. And my youngest son is named Mighty Encourager. When he builds people up with encouraging words, people see Jesus. My youngest daughter is named Love Gives. And when she gives to those in need, people see Jesus. My wife has a special name that only a privileged few can use, and that name is Mom. And when she cares for our kids and makes our house a home, people see Jesus. So my prayer when you hear our story is that you see Jesus. He is far more interesting than us. Thank you.